Hey, everybody. It's Colton Stambaugh again with the Inspire Podcast. We're providing you fearless technical products, sales, and marketing insights. Uh, today, I'm here with two incredible guests, uh, Dave Lakai and Ed Cameron, uh, from two really great companies, um, you know, kind of sharing the same parent company, Dover. We'll let them cover that. Um, but we're talking about a really great topic today that I think is at the, the front of every B2B marketer's mind. Uh, and that's a return to in-person trade shows and events. Um, no, it's a huge thing in this space. And we've got two foremost experts who have been there, done that, know the ins and outs, can tell you how it was before, how it is now, and what's exciting moving forward. So with that said, how you doing today, Dave? Yeah, I'm doing great, Colton. How are you? Oh, can't complain. Not that anybody be listening. But, um, you know, you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? You know, who are you? Who do you represent? What do you do? And uh, for reasons we'll talk about in a minute, do you put ketchup on your hot dogs? Okay. First of all, no, I don't put, I don't eat hot dogs, but I do put ketchup on my hamburgers. Okay. Uh, but um, in all seriousness, uh, my name is Dave LaCalle. I work for Dover Fueling Solutions. been with the company for about 31 years. Uh, I've held a variety of different roles uh, through, through the company over the years. The last 15 have been in the commercial side of the business. So today I'm in charge of uh, title-wise senior director of North American sales for the company. So I manage Mexico, Canada, and U.S. sales teams. I've been fortunate enough to go to trade shows for probably the last 26 years. Uh, once I got in our engineering side of our business, I used to spend a lot of time from, from a product perspective talking to customers uh, at all the trade shows. So I've attended Max since 1996, and uh, it was nice to get back this year. Well, Ed, how about you? I think, uh, I mean, that's going to be a, a tough act to follow. But, uh, you know, who are you? I think a lot of our audience might know already uh, from our virtual trade show, if you remember. Um, yeah. You know, that first episode when we were talking about how events went fully virtual for a little bit there. Now you're here talking yeah. about the recovery. Yeah, well, Colton, great. Uh, you know, thanks for inviting me back. I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, you wanted to, to have me again after our, our first podcast. But uh, as always, I appreciate the invitation. Um, so those of you that didn't see the very first podcast, my name is Ed Kammer. I'm actually the director of marketing and global product strategy for OPW Retail Fueling. Uh, I've been at OPW for 20 years. I'm sorry, 24 years. And prior to that, I worked for a large um, distributor, petroleum contractor. So I've been in, I've been in this industry for, like Dave, uh, 30 years um, and have probably been attending trade shows almost uh, that entire time. So um, very familiar with the, the trade show market, uh, both as, as a sales guy and, and now more of a, a product guy um, and, you know, slash marketing. Marketing's in my title, but actually I oversee all of our product development and engineering as well. So I got a, you know, a really uh, good perspective on, on products and, and at least what we think our customers want or what they want to see. And, uh, you know, obviously trade shows are, are, the, are a great platform to do that. As far as hot dogs, um, man, mustard, brown mustard, brown mustard on a hot dog is the only way to go. The only way I would put ketchup on is if I had yellow mustard, then I may add some ketchup. But uh, brown mustard on a hot dog for me, man. I expected you to tell me you don't mess with it because you just put uh, good chili on the top of it, but that's all right, Cincinnati. Nah, I mean that's yeah. okay. I'm not. I'm not really a cheese coney guy. I'm more of a you know ballpark, ballpark hot dog with brown mustard. 
Well, the, the reason I put you both on the spot to ask the, the catch-up question is because obviously I think we had a Super Bowl-like event for the two of you here in Chicago, my hometown. Love it. Best city in the world. Uh, with PEI Nax last month, right? And I think, you know, we've been seeing over the past few months trade shows starting to come back. But this this is the real deal, right? At least I think it is. I mean, Dave, you mind talking a little bit about PEI Nax and its importance to the fueling industry to give our viewers some context on, on the scale of this event? Sure. Uh, yeah, PEI Nax is the creme de la creme of uh, retail fuel industry trade shows. And has been for for years. Um, you know that's where all all the big players come, and even some of the small players come. It's where they all gather. Versus like when you get to local state shows, you get single site owner type people and folks like that. But when you get to NACs, you get you know you get the people to run the 7-Elevens, the Circle K, the, you know the huge customers. So it's always a very very good event for us. We get really really enjoy it. And this year, like I said. Uh, we talked about the numbers this year. It was slightly down. The numbers were 33% less, but nonetheless, it was a really good show again this year. Yeah, and uh, you know, just kind of put some perspective so people understand, you know, kind of what what Dave do, what Dave does, uh, DFS does versus OPW. So I think about it this way: so at a, at a gas station, so Dave they make all the electronic, they make the pump, and then all the electronic things at the uh, at the store. Whereas OPW, we make all the mechanical stuff. You know. All of, none of our stuff attaches to a wire. So we make the nozzle, all the piping, the valves, fittings, and those types of things. So basically between DFS and OPW uh, at a C-store or a gas station, we have everything actually probably except the tank itself. Other than that, between the two of us, we got the, uh, the, whole, the whole gamut covered. So, you know, PEI and, and NAX is a combination of, you know, NAX is everything that's at a convenience store. And then the PEI is Petroleum Equipment Institute. So it's all the, the fueling equipment. Um, yeah, like Dave said, the, uh, you know, it's nice to be face to face again, uh, see people, um, in, in person and, you know, as far as the attendance go, you know, going in, we were, we weren't sure what to expect. You know, we actually had no idea what was going to happen, you know, with this being the first big, uh, you know, live event we had in, in almost two years, but I think we were pretty, uh, we were actually pleasantly surprised with the turnout. Uh, we're obviously missing the international component. You know, normally you would have a, a lot of people from Europe and Asia. Um, so we didn't see those people. Uh, but actually, you know, what really impressed us or surprised us was the, the big turnout we saw from Latin America. Uh, so we had a lot of visitors from down south, you know, travel up, um, you know, as, as they're kind of releasing their restrictions as well. So it was great to see a lot of people from Latin America uh, attending the show. But um, again, I think we were we were pleasantly surprised with uh, the attendance that that we did end up having. Yeah, no. And, and you know, having the privilege of being there, you know, and, and also having been there for a few years, it, it definitely felt like attendance was down, but it felt like the energy at the show was like almost at an all time high, you know, and I think, you know, Ed, you hit on it for a lot of reasons, like, getting excited to see people again, Dave, you mentioned a lot of the same thing. I mean, is, is people who've been doing this for a long time in a leadership capacity, would you agree with that? That, you know, the, the behavior and activity that you saw from people on the floor, it was a whole new level of engagement or am I off there? Yeah. I, from my perspective, I think it was, I think what we saw this year was very interesting, albeit that we were down on attendance by about 33%. 
but the folks that did go to the show were, were decision makers. You know, mm-hmm. they, they owned the businesses. They weren't what I would call it. I don't want to call them tire kickers, but people, a lot of times these larger companies will send a lot of their admin folks to these shows just to and here, here's a gift for the year. Go enjoy the show. Go get all your trinkets and things like that. Those people didn't show up this year. This year was all about the, the ownership or the, the CFOs, the CTOs, all the C-suite level folks. And I think there was a great engagement. And like I said, it was a lot of quality leads and discussions. And, and I think they were energetic to just get business going too. So from my perspective, that's what I saw at the show. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we echo that as well. You know, the, the quality was there, not the quantity. Uh, like Dave said, you know, think of a, a, a convenience store and what these people would do. They'd invite their store clerks or store managers, and they were basically just there to walk the show and gather free samples and, you know, see what the new beer Budweiser was, you know, coming out with that year. So um, we, we definitely saw more of the uh, of the decision makers and, you know, the people that, that you know, we want to have conversations with, you know, to help our business and, and introduce our new products to. Um, you know, the great thing about the show is, uh, you know, our industry is a, is, is a, is a big relationship driven industry. You know, we're really focused on relationships and I don't care how hard you try or how good the technology gets, you know, you can't, you can't build and maintain relationships over a digital or a virtual platform. So just the, uh, the, the face-to-face engagement, you know, cannot be replaced and the people that we engaged with were the people that we wanted to see at the show this year. So that was exciting for us. And I think that's a huge thing. And well, yeah, y'all, y'all did a great job. I don't know if it's, uh, well, I would never accuse Ed of doing his homework before. I know he likes to wing these things, but I'm going to guess Dave just did a great job looking at the, the questions we have prepped, but really diving into that, that quality versus quantity idea. You know, I think when you've got these large scale events with so many people running around with so many different profiles and responsibility sets, obviously it's great to talk to them and connect, but you know, what, what do you guys attribute, you know, the, the different, I guess, stakeholder set to, do we think that that's, you know, companies just meeting, needing to be more deliberate with, with travel and entertainment budgets or, safety concerns what what was the pulse there that that created this effect where the people you wanted to talk to were there and maybe those people that were great to connect with but might not make decisions you know weren't weren't there as i guess the the volume that they had been in the past where do you think that came from well i I think from my perspective again guys is is it's a combination of what you just really said hit on colton i mean I, I spoke to a lot of the decision makers there and kind of asked them, you know, where were their admin folks and the people that normally would be there? He says, well, most of them are just starting to open up their shops, you know, and doing things like that and allowing people to get out. I mean, a lot of the larger jobbers, the people are still working from home. So there was that safety aspect, but I think they're also, you know, everybody's a little bit in crunch in terms of budgets and things like that too. And it's like, you know, everybody's been, pretty conservative over the past year or so about spending and travel and expenses and things like that. So many of them also told me, you know, we're just keeping the budget down. We're going to hold off. And then the um, third piece was really people just like ourselves, we gave our employees an option to go or not to go if they felt comfortable from a safety perspective. So we had probably 20% of our sales team that didn't go just for the simple fact they were concerned about the safety. So I think a combination of those things from my perspective is what we saw and why we didn't see that larger attendance we normally would. Yeah. And I think that the people that were there that, that did, you know, make the trip to come to the show, 
Uh, I think their behavior was similar to ours. They were just happy to get out and, you know, happy to see people face to face. You know, when uh, obviously you're selling a product, it's, it's much easier to, to sell it or have that relationship face to face. I think the same is true if you're buying a product. You know, you want to see the product in person. You want to talk to those people face to face. So I, I think really a lot of the excitement came just from people being able to get out and, and see people and, and, and have conversations and uh, get out face to face. So the excitement level, I think, was both on the exhibitor side and on the attendee side as well. Just uh, the ability to, to, to get out and see people again and socialize. You know, it, Ed, thanks for that insight, like how great the energy was, you know, on the floor. You know, obviously you guys are coming from the sales and networking perspective. Let's dive a little deeper into maybe some of the non-sales and networking activity that happens on the floor at these shows, right? So maybe media coverage, content creation opportunities, social media coverage. You know, what did that look like? Did it feel any different? Did maybe it even feel stronger? Because we're all programmed to being online all the time. You know, maybe that's where some of the people who weren't on the floor were engaging with the show. What do you think, Ed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, at least from the OPW standpoint, I felt the media coverage and social media coverage is more than I've seen it ever. Uh, you know, and I think exactly what you just said, people are used to, you know, being in a virtual environment. Um, I think I did more interviews uh, with, with uh, you know, the, the trade publications, uh, both with PEI and NAX. You know, they seem to have a big uh, presence and, and, and focused. They did more filming and more video posts. Um, you know, and, and posting those interviews, you know, we saw a lot of those that they showed, you know, during the show. And then at least from our company standpoint, I think we probably filmed more like content videos than we ever had. You know, we would have little product spotlights um, and then immediately get them out on our social, uh, you, you know, platforms. And I, I think from that standpoint, um, certainly more coverage we've had you know, than we ever have in the past. And I think that's probably the direction that we're going. So um, felt a huge, uh, you know, networking, social media, digital coverage that way. Yeah. And, and I would add, I mean, I echo Ed's comments. Ed's more on that side of business because he's got the marketing piece underneath him as well. But even from my perspective, I saw just a lot of PEI and NAX coverage in our booth, filming, talking to all the folks in there. And, you know, we exploited a lot of that ourselves, doing a lot more social media this year as well. So uh, it was really, really good this year. And it was really surprising uh, how well it was. Because, again, going into the show, we didn't know what to expect from attendance to whatever the media coverage was. And the media was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, and I think, um, you know, the, the need for more content when people can't be there probably drives a lot of that, you know. And, well... And I guess shout out because, you know, as Dave said, marketing's under you. Shout out for leaning into that. And, and Dave, I guess shout out to your marketing team. You know, that, um, yeah. And I was even, uh, you know, we saw some of the international, um, you know, trade publications that were there with, with crews and interviewing uh, Petro Plaza and uh, even Unity, which is kind of the, the, the next equivalent over in Europe. You know, they had a contingency over there and, and they were doing filming and, and doing interviews. So. Um, it, it was good, you know, kind of that, that whole global perspective, which is what, you know, it, it is good about that type of digital content is you can share, you know, all over the world. Well, it's like a, a really interesting thing too, right? Like we, we talked about PI next being, you know, the Super Bowl for, for feeling equipment, you know, you even like pull that analogy a little bit more. The Super Bowl isn't just the game. It's, you know, all the media coverage that starts at, you know, nine in the morning 
to the post game wrap up at, you know, 11 o'clock. Right. So maybe that's starting to bleed over. That analogy could be up where like all that media coverage and all that that happens at the show is a great way to kind of, I guess, multiply or amplify its impact. Um, it's a really interesting thing. You know, so there you go. Next year you can set up radio row for uh, PEI max. Yep. Not a bad idea. Um, hopefully we got at least two guests, uh, you know, for radio row next year then. But uh, so, you know, we talked a lot about at the show, you know, but maybe going back to networking um, and we're, we're definitely not, uh, not asking for any, any incriminating stories here, but um, what was the energy like outside of it? I know like it's very common for companies to have like corporate parties and it seemed like some of that dialed back a little bit this year. Um, but what was it like with the whole fueling industry being in Chicago? Um, did that energy that you typically see outside of the show carry over? Um, you know, it, it knacks. Yeah, no. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, it kind of goes along with this being a very relationship driven industry. Um, yeah, I think most, you know, most of the deals or, you know, all the work gets done after the show and, uh, you know, at the Chicago chop house or over a glass of wine or a couple beers. Um, so, you know, that part is always exciting. And, and I think, you know, the energy there from the show bled over, uh, into the, uh, the after hours activities as well. Like, so where the, where the magic happens, um, you know, where the deals are, are, are really made. Uh, you know, the big difference that we had this year is, is normally, you know, both OPW and, and, and DFS as well. You know, we would host large customer appreciation parties um, where we rent out big venues and, and invite our customers. So this year we, we did not do that, uh, you know, for a couple of reasons. You know, number one, the, you know, the big drive of trying to reduce um, SG&A this past year. And then just the, the thought we weren't sure you know, how many people were going to show up. So we didn't want to invest the money in renting out a large venue and what the um, occupancy restrictions, you know, may or may not be in the city of Chicago at the time of the show. So, you know, we, we backed away from our, our big show, but uh, again, still the, the, the relationship and, and what happens outside the show, I think that still continued. And there were a lot of great dinners, you know, a lot of great meetings outside of the show. Um, the only thing you know, when you said a, like an industry will take over a city. The one thing I'm, I'm going to, this is my plug against Chicago, but Chicago is not the best city for that. I think the problem with Chicago is everything is so spread out and yeah. you don't really get that feeling of, of all the trade show people kind of in one area or showing up at the same places. So um, in my opinion, Chicago is not the best place to host this show. Um, hope doesn't offend anybody, but um, again, still the relationship building continued outside the show floor and uh, spilled out into the, uh, you know, the, the, the Chicago steakhouses throughout the city for sure. Yeah, I, I would add that Chicago is definitely a great place to be and great place to visit. Not necessarily the greatest spot for the show because logistics and restaurants where everything's at. But I, I, you know, again, echoing what Ed's saying, I think, you know, we didn't have our customer events like we typically do, but that didn't deter our teams or our customers not to get together after the show, like I said, for dinners and drinks and do business. So, from that perspective, I felt the energy was still there. We just did all weren't one big ballroom together. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess maybe it's a really interesting segue, you know, because we just hit on a point of, of, I guess, difference with this PEI compared to the, our big shows before. What were some of those unique challenges, you know, with kind of this being the first, you know, ready for primetime big show? that you did see, you know, on the show floor, outside of it, doesn't matter. 
Um, you know, what were some of the things that you didn't expect to, to have to solve that you did? Well, that's a pretty good question. Um, I'll try to start out with that. I would say really our biggest uh, quandary was what do we take to show, you know, we already had pre-purchased the booth, so we knew we had a huge booth, but what do we take? Do we take all the products? Do we take our very diverse portfolio or do we just take a selected side of it? And we made the decision to go all the way with all of our products and all of our, a lot of our new software solutions. And it really paid off. It was good for us. It was just, we got a lot more traction on our, a lot of our new solutions than we ever expected. So that was unexpected for us. And I'm, we're very, very glad we did it. And again, we've had some really great results since the show in terms of a sales perspective. Uh, I'd say the only other thing, only other unique challenge we'd have, we'd, nobody had water at the show. I mean, it was almost impossible to find water. And when you walk around that show, you know, we used to have, we're used to having water there and customers like, where's your water? And we were looking for water. So other than that, uh, everything went very, very well, pretty normal. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I don't think we really saw any unique challenges. Um, kind of the same thing, you know, like Dave said, we, we went all out. I mean, again, we were unsure what the attendance was going to be, but um, you know, we had the, the big booth and we were going to bring all of our stuff, uh, you know, all of our, all of our new stuff. We didn't scale back anything from an exhibit standpoint and, and what we, we showed. Um, and we did have water, Dave. I don't know what, you know, you guys should have come over to our booth. We, uh, <laughs> we had plenty of water. That's one thing we learned. I didn't that even know that. We always have a refrigerator and we're stocked filled with water. Um, you know, even the, uh, the mask mandate with the city of Chicago, that was kind of interesting. Um, we were kind of at the beginning of the show deciding, you know, because technically everyone had to have a mask and it was kind of interesting to see what the, how that worked out. And I would say it's probably, probably 50, maybe 60, 40 people didn't end up wearing masks. Um, so that didn't end up being a challenge. It's, you know, hard to talk to people through masks. So I think, you know, even the mask, uh, mandate wasn't really enforced on the show floor. I didn't see anybody get thrown out because they didn't have a mask on. Um, cause there were certainly a lot of people not wearing masks. I think that probably was the one thing we were concerned about was, uh, having to wear masks on the show floor. But, um, like I said, it was, that's probably like, like most things. I mean, people that, you know, people that want to wear masks, they can, and people that are comfortable not wearing masks, they didn't. And I think it worked out well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You had another, another element, of uh, physical fortitude. I mean, standing on the floor for eight hours is enough, right. <laughs> you know, so it, it's definitely an interesting thing. Though, I think you both hit on a really, really good insight that I think is a great kind of segue into the, the next question. That insight is go for it, right? Like you guys talked about sitting there and having to think, do we bring everything? Do we not? Well, it sounds like both of you made the, the decision with your teams like, no, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And you did it, right? And I think that's something that the audience should definitely kind of internalize and take away. Um, and I think how that leads into the next question, right, is, is how do you both feel about the prospects of these big shows? Like, it, it, it feels pretty clear to me that you, you did have a great experience coming back to PEI. I mean, how do you see the next one or your, your next big industry show? You think you're going to get more momentum? Are you guys bullish? I'd like to, to guess that you're, but um, I don't want to take – you know, put, put words in your mouth. How do you feel about the future of big shows moving forward? I'm not sure bullish, you know, obviously recently that we're talking about another strand of this coronavirus, which will probably could potentially have something to do with what happens over the next few months. But I think it is a little bullish. I think people were very happy to get back in, into it. And 
as Ed stated earlier, it's a, this is relationship business and it's a touch and feel product business. So uh, I think that Nax was it just proved to everybody that, yeah, we're ready to get back into it. Let's go, let's move forward. You know, everybody's, you know, getting vaccines or not getting vaccines, but for the most part, you know, we've become a lot safer environments and I think everybody's just ready to go. And so I think well, the only thing I'd say is different is learning from Nax is, there may be less of the admin type people coming to these shows and maybe it, maybe it is more of the decision makers. I mean, because at the show, when I talked to a lot of decision folks, they even mentioned that, you know, we probably in the future won't be bringing as many of our, as our just regular employees that, that tag along. So I think that might be really the only difference, but I certainly see this trajectory going the right direction going forward as far as keeping shows open. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about, it's great to be back and uh, you know, you can't, replace the interaction with the live show, you know, with any type of substitute. And I think that's kind of what we've learned. And, uh, you know, as, as we go into the beginning of next year, that kind of enters our, our regional trade show where they're, they're, they're smaller shows, but um, we're not scaling back any of those. We're going to have, you know, the, the typical footprint that we would have had in, in 2018, 2019, um, even at the, uh, the regional shows as we move into the beginning of next year. Uh, but we have a big one in, in Las Vegas in February. Uh, that we're planning for right now. And, you know, we're having the same footprint, you know, we're, we're not backing down. I think, I think the live show is back as long as, you know, the, the, we keep the strains under control and, you know, people do what they're supposed to do. And, and, um, you know, we don't have an, another widespread, um, you know, variant or something. I think as long as, you know, people are staying relatively healthy, then trade shows are back. Yeah, no, and, and I think that, you know, again, for a lot of the reasons that you both have talked about, like why that's so important for technical products companies is the relationship component, um, you know, and that can be tough to repl replicate, you know, digitally, but, you know, we do kind of have to ask and maybe, you know, talks of, of new strains being developed and all that, you know, well, it seems like we're going in the right direction. A lot of things did happen virtually over the past year on the trade show side. Right. So we think about that, like digital shows, hybrid shows. Do we think that, that the presence of that over the last year has changed the way that people view the trade show? I mean, Ed, I know you ran a big virtual show right at the beginning, you know, kind of the pandemic when that was really the only option. Um, how do you see that virtual or hybrid component fitting into the, the, the trade plans? And, and industrial products moving forward. Yeah, I think, you know, what we did, I really, I'm not afraid, I mean, we called it a virtual trade show, but it, it was more of, um, you know, we just put all of our products, you know, on display that people could come and, and look at virtually. Um, I, I know PEI, you know, attempted a virtual show last year. And I, I mean, my personal opinion, I think it was a monumental failure. And, and I'll I've talked to, I think most people will agree whether they're customers, distributors, manufacturers, exhibitors, or attendees. Um, I think that that trade show environment, it's, it's, um, it, it's just, you can't you try to replicate it, but it, it wasn't, um, it, it, it didn't work for us. And I don't think it worked for many of the other um, exhibitors as well. Uh, you know, on the technology, you know, it might be easier for people that have technical products, but for, for guys like us that have, you know, mechanical products, it's just, you can't replicate the hands-on um, looking and seeing the product and also talking to people face-to-face. -face. So I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy we're face-to-face -face and I'm not a big fan of the, the, the virtual trade show, I guess. 
Yeah, and, and I'll add um, as well, We it was a, uh, I would say, a significant failure. And I know PEI was trying to do the right thing, and it's the right yeah. thing to do during a pandemic, but it just was a, was a significant failure. And so I don't think the virtual show is ever going to be successful. As Ed pointed out, it's a touch-filly type of environment we're in. Um, but I also, I do potentially see maybe uh, kind of a digital hybrid more introducing at the show floors, not necessarily, uh, but again, not, not having a virtual show, but having the digitalized show. Now, I'd also tell you, I don't think it's going to be all digital to either. And I don't think that's a good idea either because I'll give you an example and I won't mention the na company's name, but there was a point of sale company that was at the show. They had none of their hardware there and the sales team didn't even realize it. When they when the people set the show up, it was just monitors to talk about their product. Customers couldn't even see or feel a product. And the sales team was very frustrated just for some fact they said the customers are coming and they're going. They're not even stopping because we have nothing they can touch or feel or see other than the video monitor of what our product looked like. So I don't think one a digital total digital experience is going to be the way to go. I think it's going to be a combination as we go forward. Um, so kind of my thoughts on that perspective. Okay. No, I think that's a, it's a great thought, you know, and I think it's kind of, you know, encompasses both of what you were saying is you can't substitute the real thing and that tactile in, in person, whether it be the product or the, the face-to-face -face conversation, you know, um, but, you know, dovetailing earlier, like talking about some of the social media coverage and all those things, like finding those clever ways to, to take what's already happening tactically on the, sh on the show floor and throwing that up. Maybe there's something there. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, you know, kind of going in that lens, and I know we got to wrap up here quick. We always like to ask a couple questions, you know, to give the audience some real, you know, actionable insights. Um, you know, and, and Dave, you know, I'll pick on you first here because you kind of went the opposite direction with the story you just told. But what did you see on the floor that inspired you? Or like, hey, you know what? We need to think about doing that next year. Uh, does anything come to mind immediately or, you know, may, maybe the corollary story is, is a good one. Really? Uh, you know, I think we, we really kind of did ourselves this year. I, we, we did a great job. I, we had a post-mortem meeting like we do every year. And from our president down, we were high-fiving everybody. We thought we hit the nail on the head. So I really don't know if there's anything out there, any trend that I personally saw that we would have done anything different. Cause I, I think we landed at a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I think, you, yeah, my takeaway, you know, again, being on the show floor, having people there, you know, can't be replaced. Uh, we did add, um, we debuted a, uh, we call it a interactive four court product experience where people could actually go on a big monitor and, and play around and, and, and see our products and how they integrate and, and work on Because a lot of our stuff is buried underground. You don't get to see it. You know, Dave's stuff is all right, right above. They get to see all his stuff. But 80% of the stuff we sell gets buried underground and poured on concrete so people don't get to see it. So we kind of inter introduced a tool where people kind of look in a 3D environment under the ground and see the products. So that that was a big hit. So I, I think we'll do more of that. And then really what, what we came away with, what we're going to do next year or at future shows is, you know, we, we did a great job, you know, filming these video posts or these little product blogs, if you will and then posting them. But I think what we're going to go for is more of a like live streams, you know, whether it's Facebook live or YouTube, but I think what we're going to do is, uh, you know, we'll send out a schedule ahead of the show so people can see what products they're interested in. And then we'll do, you know, live feeds right from the show floor. 
where the distributors or, or people that can't come to the show or, or still, I think there's still plenty of people out there that aren't comfortable with traveling. And um, we can, you know, bring the, the, the show floor to those guys in some type of live stream. So I think that's the one thing that we learned and we're going to look to do more of um, in the future. You know, we plan on being face-to-face, you know, we're going to have our products, we're going to have our people on the floor. So people that want to come and travel and see us, we're there. And then for those of you that aren't going to be, you know, we're going to try and bring that, you know, through a live, uh, a live experience versus a pre-recorded video um, product display. So that, I think that's, what we're going to look forward to in the future. Yeah. I think that's, that's an incredible idea, right? Again, it goes back to that capture the, 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 the magic and the physical and duplicate it digitally as easily as possible. Like, I think that there's some real wisdom there. Um, I'm you know, and, our marketing team hearing what Ed just said, because I tell you, that's some really good thought around that. I like that, Ed. Well, I think, you know, the last question here, and I'll, I'll let you guys dive into it, but I think you might already answered it is, is what is your big piece of advice for sales and marketing leaders who maybe their, their Super Bowl hasn't come back yet, right? Maybe they were in that, you know, phase where their, their show is a little earlier in the year, so they didn't get the chance to, to have it yet. If, if you're speaking to that individual who might be getting ready for their first big one back, what's, what's the one nugget or the one thing that you'd really want to instill in them? I'll, I'll take that first, Ed. I think from my perspective, what we learned was, again, you had mostly decision makers there. So I, I would say that you need to, your sales team needs to really drill down, find out which customers are going to come to that show, which one of their customers or potential customers, and be ready and prepared to talk about the, our solutions, how they resolve those customers' problems and close the deal on the floor. Because you don't get a chance to have those type of decision makers and at that higher percentage around you that much as I did at Nax or any of us did. And you can close deals on the floor. As a matter of fact, we closed two significant deals on the last day of the show. We closed deals throughout the show. And typically it's not a, what we call a sell show for us. It's, it's, you know, it's show and tell. And later on you follow up and you, you know, you work orders and work with the customers. We were selling product on the floor with our finance company on the floor. So that's why having those decision makers there was crucial. So again, it's about, being prepared to know who's coming there and get ready to close deals on the floor. Yeah, I think, um, you know, my big takeaway again is there, there's no replacing, you know, face-to-face live interaction. I, I don't care what digital platform, how good the technology gets. Um, people were, were happy to be back face-to-face. Um, but on the other side of that, don't be afraid to take some other types of technology on social media platforms and, and try and share that experience with people, you know, that don't want to come, um, whether it be live stream or, or, you know, product videos. Um, but again, you know, you can't, I mean, trade shows were invented for a reason and, and, uh, they're, they're still successful. Um, I don't care what, um, if you're selling gas pumps or gas nozzles, uh, I think it's still the best way to do business, at least in our industry. And I don't see it going away anytime soon. You're selling gas pumps or gas nozzles. Before we sign off here, I would like to tell the entire audience, if you do not see the OPW or DFS logo on the forecourt when you you go to get gas, keep driving and go to the next one. Um, But, uh, you know, Ed and Dave, thank you so much, you know, to keep the the Super Bowl analogy going. I think you definitely both spiked the football in a very big way there, um, you know, on that last question. 
And, um, you know, again, we're, we're extremely grateful for your time and your insights and can't wait to share it with our audience. Um, so I guess thank you and goodbye. And we'll thanks for having us, Colton. Yeah, thanks, Colton. Appreciate the invite. Stay safe. Right. See ya.